0: Thirty-three years ago, before Debbie and I ended up in the vineyard, I was working here in Nottingham with an organization we looked at, which looked after homeless young people. Some of them were young offenders, some had grown up in care, and as they'd become adults had ended up living on the streets in some way, some were addicts, some were just vulnerable, some had just had a really, really hard life and found them in this, themselves in this homeless situation. And whatever their background, they were people in need of love and care and welcome. And my heart broke as I heard their stories, as I got to know some of them. It was also painful to hear how some of them felt that church was not a place they thought they could ever feel fully welcome. They would never really fit into a church. And I remember thinking, would there ever be a church where these friends could find a spiritual home? where people who had no relationship with Jesus could connect with him, where people who had spent time perhaps in prison could feel part of a family, where people gripped by addiction could find support to walk free, where anyone, no matter what their life experience, could belong to a community of faith and not only find love and acceptance but also be encouraged in using their gifts and growing as disciples, where people from privileged backgrounds, like me, could get involved in caring for those in need. A church where those with resources shared them with the poor. And many years later now, 33 years later, Debbie and I sometimes pinch ourselves when we see what God has done here. Trent Vineyard is very far from perfect. We're well aware of that. But those things we wish for, and so much more, are happening here. This evening, as we approach a new chapter in the life of this church with moving from two services to three, I want to look at the kind of church we are and want to continue to be into the future. I love how Webster's dictionary describes the church. The church is God's creation and design, it is his method of providing spiritual nurture for the believer and a community of faith through which the gospel is proclaimed and his will is advanced in every generation. As I've thought about how this church might reflect this description, I've read my share of books, attended seminars and conferences, and had countless conversations on growing healthy churches. And there is much wisdom and experience out there from which we can all learn. But I'm convinced that many of the best examples of the kind of church that God wants to build are found in a book with which many of us will be familiar. It's called the book of Acts. And this evening, I'm going to confine myself to one brief paragraph, a little cameo in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And this little passage summarizes what was happening in the first church, which was in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. So if you've got a Bible, do turn to Acts chapter 2. Otherwise, the screen should show it as we read it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In the short paragraph, we see a blueprint of the kind of church that God has called us to be. Of course, it doesn't include everything a church should be, nor does it describe the ideal church. Like us today, it was far from perfect, as the bulk of the New Testament shows, with many of its pages devoted to correcting the early church when things went wrong. But there are qualities, behaviors, characteristics which the early believers exhibited in this passage and then through the book of Acts, from which we can really learn today. And as we look at these things, can I encourage you not to think Of this church as Trent Vineyard as being a place you go to on Sundays or an organization which, yes, I agree, should do these things, but rather as us, the people who belong together in this little expression of God's church. What the church does and is, is essentially what you and I do and are. A few weeks ago, I talked about the church being like a body made up of many parts, we're all needed, and the church is ultimately simply an expression of each and every one of us. So as you listen this evening, let me encourage you to consider at least one thing that you can personally take from tonight, that you might contribute in the coming weeks to helping the church, this church, be all that it could be. So first of all, the kind of church the Lord wants to build is biblical, The first thing we read about the early church is that in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, the apostles' teaching, which was at the time yet to be written down, became the beginnings of the New Testament. Today, we have the Old and New Testaments, the whole Bible. When Queen Elizabeth II was crowned in 1953, she was presented with a Bible and told by the Archbishop of Canterbury, we present you with this book The most valuable thing this world affords. It's the best selling book in history, the treasures of which are deeper than we could grasp in a lifetime of studying it. Whether you have a paper copy or you have it on your phone or in some other format, the more we ingest it, the more we will understand God and the best way to live. I'm really enjoying using the Bible app with the Bible in one year being read. To me, each day by Nicky Gumbel and David Suchet, and it's become a daily habit since the beginning of the year. And I really encourage you, whether that's helpful to you or another way, find a way in which you can engage with the Bible that works for you. Devoting ourselves to the teaching of the Bible is a lot more, of course, than reading it and even understanding it. It means living it. A biblical church is a church that's filled with people who, as the Apostle James says in James 1.22, are doers of the Word and not hearers only. People who apply the Bible to their daily lives, not just the bits they're comfortable with as well. It'll be challenging sometimes to hear sermons which apply the truths of Scripture to our lives. On the one hand, we just hate it because it's very uncomfortable, the Bible confronts us on some issue in our life. And at the same time, we love it because we know it's the truth that God is speaking right into our heart. A woman called Louise wrote this about what drew her to committing her life to Christ in one of the early Changing Lives books. At church, I saw people living life as Christians, trying really hard to be more like Jesus and actively living out their faith. There were no excuses made like, The Bible was written so long ago, but it's impossible to live like that now. I found myself in a place where I was challenged, not just verbally, but mainly by seeing people living the way I had always wanted to live, but never thought I could. Secondly, the kind of church the Lord wants to build is a loving fellowship. It says here, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, devoted themselves to fellowship. Verse 42, they broke bread in their homes and ate together. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together. They met together in the temple courts. They met together in their homes because a loving fellowship is a lot more than just being together for a couple of hours on a Sunday. They really shared their lives. The Greek word for fellowship comes from another Greek word, koinos, which means common or sharing. So fellowship is not just about making small talk over a cup of church coffee you know, on a Sunday, it's actually opening up our lives, getting under each other's masks. And it's one of the reasons we encourage everyone here to be part of a small group where you can get to know and be known by a bunch of people who share life together, deeply knowing and caring for one another. Thirdly, the kind of church the Lord wants to build worships. As they shared meals together, it says, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Luke, the author of Acts, is talking about sharing the Lord's Supper. And as they shared meals together, the Lord's Supper is celebrated to remind us of what Jesus has done for us and looking forward to all he will do. It's about remembering Jesus as often as they were eating. At the last supper, Jesus said, do this as often as as you eat it in remembrance of me. And then verse 42 extends that description. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. So remembering Jesus and praising God. It is possible to be a loving fellowship and yet lose focus on who the church is about. Somehow missing Jesus in the process has become one great social club. It's about Jesus, the most beautiful and wonderful person in the universe. And it, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are to be a church, the church we are, to bring glory to God. That's the primary reason for the church's existence. To remember Jesus and praise God. The kind of church the Lord wants to build, praise They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. We will only be the kind of church the Lord wants us to be if we are devoted to prayer. Prayer is the main way we connect with God in our personal relationship. And it's also vital in seeing God released to move powerfully among us. Richard Foster said this, in the ongoing work of the kingdom of God, nothing is more important than intercessory prayer. That's prayer when you're asking God to move and do stuff. Prayer releases God to do what he wants to do. He set it up that way. Self-limiting is saying, guys, ask me. Let me prompt you to ask me stuff. Ask me stuff and it releases me to do it. Stuff in our church, in our city, in our nation and way beyond in a way that no amount of effort ever can. The book of Acts is not called the book of truths or the book of ideas or indeed the book of prayers. It's about the acts of Christ's followers. But by the same token, we can't just act, we can't just work, we can't just serve without devoting ourselves to prayer because we'll miss out on the incredible unleashing of the power of God, propelling the work we do to achieve supernatural results. The time we spend alone or with others Interceding multiplies the effectiveness of the hours spent doing. And a church which is devoted to prayer will see God answering prayer. Number five, the kind of church the Lord wants to build sees amazing things happen. If you were here two weeks ago, you would have heard from Pete, who in a period of just three weeks saw six of his work colleagues receive healing when he prayed for them. That's six people impacted for God who might not have been had Pete not stepped out and prayed for him, for them. So here, verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. The experience of being in that church was awesome, just awesome, signs and wonders, miracles happened in the early church and not just through the apostles but through many of the other believers. If you've been a Christian for very long, you would have seen God do amazing things. Just in the last few weeks, we've seen a bit of a, a move. A number of people have been healed from physical conditions like back and knee and wrist conditions after receiving prayer at the end of these services. So let's take a moment to watch Bethany tell us about what happened to her here seven weeks ago.
1: Uh, My name is Bethany, I'm part of Trent Vineyard here Uh, and growing up as a child uh, my mum noticed I was walking slightly funny, Uh, friends at school used to ask me why I was walking so wide Um, and it wasn't till I was maybe 11 or 12 that we decided to go to the doctors um, about my feet and they just said you know you've got arches and they're fallen and so they referred us to a specialist who basically did some x-rays and things and said that eventually it would affect my hips and the rest of alignment in my body and things. And so they gave us some options, some surgery options, but at the time we just decided, let's just leave it for now. Um, we'll revisit it later if, if, if it's starting to cause pain and things. Um, so yeah, I went through my teenage and young adult life and had lots of people pray for me uh, periodically, but I never really saw it as something that needed fixing. It was something I was willing to live with. So I came along to a film night at Trent. They were playing a film called Christ in You. uh, And it was all about how um, ordinary people can do healings and can see God work in their environments. Uh, And it was just so encouraging. It really, really affirmed what I'd been feeling in the weeks leading up to it, that God wanted to use me more um, and do things through me. And yet, at the end of the night, um, at the end of the film, Debbie got up and she just kind of shared a little bit um, and said how encouraging it was. And she said that she felt that God wanted to do healing uh, tonight and that night. Uh, and so, a few prophetic words were shared, and different people went up and I, I just turned to my fiance, and he said, "Do you mind if I pray for your feet again uh, and he's offered he 's prayed for my feet numerous times with kind of no results, uh, and so i, I didn 't really have much faith i wasn 't really expecting them to be healed, uh, but I agreed, and he prayed for my feet and I looked down and the the arches had formed and it was just so incredible because I I wasn't expecting it, I didn't have the faith for it and yet God still moved Uh, and I just think it's amazing how God will use us when we're willing to trust in him. So I think since that has happened, I've just felt so like a renewed sense of God is doing miracles. God wants to heal and he'll do it through all of us. And I I don't think it's about the faith that we have. I don't think it's about the faith that people have who are being prayed for. It's just about being willing and saying, God, look, I know the power is in you. I know that it's Christ in me that makes things happen. Um, and so since then, uh, me and my fiancé Thomas, we've prayed for several people. I prayed for a few, few people around campus as well um, to receive healing and to know that God's real.
0: Amazing things are happening, but there's so much more we've not yet seen. Number six, the kind of church the Lord wants to build is generous. It says here in verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give. The church had caught a glimpse of God's amazing generosity in his son Jesus and responded with what can only be described as extravagant generosity. If there was a need, if they had it to give, they gave. We see later on in the book of Acts that people still own stuff, houses and land, but from time to time they voluntarily sold them and brought the money. Our journey as a church here has been marked just incredibly by extravagant generosity. These facilities we're in, just one testament to that. Let me give you an example. Just three weeks ago when we took a special offering to add to what we already had given from the Set Apart Fund and what many of our leaders had given at the recent National Leaders Conference to be invested in the National Youth Camp you just heard referred to Dreaming the Impossible. It's happening next weekend, but from next year is going to explode to multiple times that size. And with that extravagant Sunday offering, it was £80,000 we gave. The total amount we gave from Trent, if you include what the leaders gave, you include what the church gave centrally, just over £126,000. Absolutely astonishing as we invest in the next generation. God is an extravagant giver, and the people in the book of Acts were extravagant givers, and as His church learns to live and give like that, the favor of God will be upon it. The kind of church the Lord wants to build cares for those in need. The picture of that Luke paints in this passage is of people caring for one another so much that when they saw a need, they met it. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. If you had need, you turned up there, you were sorted out. Many of you are involved in Trent Compassion Ministries, but it extends way beyond that, caring for those in your communities. I heard recently about a number of small groups who've got together to buy School uniforms for children at our local school where parents could not afford to buy them. They saw a need and they met it. That school, not to mention the families, were incredibly touched, as you can imagine, by that. The kind of church the Lord wants to build, lastly, impacts those outside it. The church enjoyed the favor of people outside the church, and people came to Christ and joined the church in large numbers here. Verse 47, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The church the Lord wants to build is a church which looks looks beyond itself. And we see throughout the book of Acts, I'd encourage you to read it, the church getting out there, talking with those who don't know Jesus, communicating the gospel through their actions, sending teams to other cities, indeed other countries. And God's invitation to us really is the same. And though for us it isn't daily, the reality is that the Lord is adding to our number regularly those who are being saved. It was wonderful last year to baptize more than in any previous year. And this church described in this passage that we've just looked at grew like wildfire. Every church, if you stop to think about it, that has ever existed was planted indirectly out of that church, including this one. And since the first century, the Lord has always wanted to build churches which express that genetic code in a way that is relevant to its culture. God wants us and every church to be a church that is biblical, is a loving fellowship, worships, prays, sees amazing things happen, is generous, cares for those in need, and impacts those outside it. The vineyard the movement of churches that we are a part of, is a church planting movement. Because we believe that the local church is the hope of the world. So as I finish, let's watch this film reminding us of the impact that churches have in their communities and beyond. And many of the people speaking on this film were once here.
2: Hi, my name's James and I head up the church planting team with my wife, Jen. The Vineyard Movement's been established for just over 40 years, and during that time period, it's seen 2,600 churches planted. That is a really great start, but we can't afford to take our foot off the pedal. We are a church planting movement. That's part of our DNA, and it's who we are. Many of you sitting in churches today will be there and have come to faith because somebody planted a church. Somebody was willing to start a new community. Somebody heard from the Lord the call and said, you know what, I'm up for it. I'm willing to go. And so your story is part of that church being planted. And the truth is, as life goes by, it's, it's easy to settle. It's easy to just go, oh, do you know what, I want an easy life. But as I look at the gospels, I see this amazing picture of a dynamic and pioneering bunch of Jesus followers who would do whatever it takes to see people come to faith. Their heart was absolutely broken for lost people. They long for them to experience relationship and intimacy with the Lord. The best way to reach people is to plant churches. Planting churches changes lives. Planting churches rewrites stories. And I'd love you just to hear a couple of stories of lives that have been changed.
3: I came to Cardiff as a student and I was determined to build a successful career and meet the one. And I didn't know Jesus at that time and I was extremely insecure and felt quite lost. I eventually was brought along to church by a wonderful friend who had kept praying for me, really persevering. We had lots of late night chats about Jesus. I came to the local vineyard and I just felt like I had come home and I met Jesus and he completely changed my life and just gave me a security, an identity and a purpose. Then about a year later at the Cause to Live For conference, God spoke to me really clearly about sacrificing the career that I had set up for myself in my mind and instead choosing to do the discipleship year and pursue him and his church. So I set upon that journey not knowing what that was going to look like, but determined to just follow him and give him my yes. And now, several years down the line, my husband and I have just launched a site of our church. And that's really because we want to see more lost people come to know Jesus. When I went to a newcomers event, the senior pastors of my church, Jen, said... I don't know if I'd be a Christian if John and Debbie hadn't planted a church. And the same is true for me. I don't know if I would be a Christian. I don't know if I'd know Jesus if they hadn't taken that step of faith and planted a church. So really when God put this call on my heart to launch a site, it is all about reaching lost people for Jesus.
4: So back in 2012, uh, my wife and I, we moved to Bath to plant a new vineyard church. I remember vividly right at the beginning we were meeting um, in a local pub right in the early days, uh, almost in our second meeting and um, this chap named Sam, he came to faith um, or began his journey of faith um, in that moment uh, where he encountered the Holy Spirit for the first time and he kind of got swept up uh, both in pursuing Jesus um, but also in this journey of a a, a new community forming and um, he came to, to faith probably... Uh, Three to four months into it, he got involved with uh, one of our small groups. Over the coming years, he uh, led small groups and served and really carried everything about us as a community. Fast forward six years, and um, we were announcing to our leaders that we would be planting our first church. We had a couple, Jamie and Kath Brayford, who had come and joined us, and... um, they, they come to train and they come to the end of their training and we knew that, they were, that God was speaking they were going to be planting in Liverpool. And so we were announcing it to our leaders um, and just literally celebrating it and inviting anyone in our community that, that may want to go on that journey or be part of that journey to consider it. Well, two, day, two days later, or around right about then, I remember getting a phone call from Sam and I saw, as soon as it came up on my phone, I knew that, that, it was, that they were thinking about going. And um, they came round for dinner um, and we sat and we chatted and immediately they said, look, we feel like God is saying we've got to go. Uh, we've been looking, we've been sensing a stirring for a new adventure. And when Jamie and Kath mentioned it uh, and they mentioned the city, we were like, we've got to be part of this. So there was a heavy heart just because Sam had been the first fruits of our community. And I love that. Um, but we knew they, they were going to go. And so he said, what's the plan? And he said, well, we don't really have a plan. We're going to be. We're going to be putting our resignation, our, our notice into our jobs and we're going to move in faith. We believe God is going to provide for all that we need. And we're like, sure, do it. Anyway, they left that evening and I just still remember sitting there still really heavy hearted. No one wanted to celebrate, but also being heavy hearted. And um, I felt like Jesus just nudged me at that moment. And he said, look, when you, when you travel down that M5 uh, on the way to Bath, when you move to, to plant this church, if I said to you that the first disciples that are going to come out of this community, we're going to be the ones that would will be willing to give up their jobs and move across the country to a new city to, plant, to be part of planting a new church, what would you say? And suddenly in that moment I had that realisation of like, on oh my word this is exactly what we're about, this is exactly what, what a vineyard church is about, it's a church that gathers and sees God create disciples who want to see more and are willing to go when Jesus says go. And so my heart went from being heavy to being just overwhelmed and and it reminded Flick and I, and we hold this now dearly, is this is in our DNA that we are to to see disciples that grow as part of our community, that when Jesus says go, they can't but but go. They they have to go and they're willing to give up everything to follow him.
2: Those are amazing stories. Every single one of you sat in a vineyard church right now is there because somebody had an audacious dream to plant a church, to start a new community. And that's not just for you, it's for your colleagues, for your workmates, your neighbours. It's a place where people can come and find Jesus. As I've been talking and as the video's played, some of you are feeling stirred. You're feeling stirred towards church planting and I'd encourage you to take the next step of the journey, to train, to see where that goes. For others of you, it could be going on a church planting team. I met an elderly couple recently who who came and said to me, we don't care where we go, we just feel called to go on a church plant. For others of you, it could be to support that church financially, to give towards it, to enable it to happen. For others, it could be to pray. There are so many different ways to be involved. This is an adventure for the whole movement. We cannot settle. We are a church planting movement. We are a multiplying movement. We multiply small groups. We multiply churches. Planting churches changes lives. Whatever your role, we want to invite you into this adventure as we plant churches that plant churches that plant churches.
0: Churches change lives. Churches rewrite stories. And as Mike Newport said on the film, when God says go, go. Some people are sent to other parts of the country and even beyond to start new churches. We've had the privilege of planting at least 12 churches from here. I say that because there are others that trace their roots here. Some of you will have recognized James and Mike who were speaking on that film, who had been on our staff. And I hope that we will plant many more people out of here in the years to come. There are as many people around the nation worshiping in churches that have been planted out of Trent as there are worshiping at Trent, which is just amazing. Every one of those people will have stories like those we heard in that film. So when God says, go, go. And if you sense a calling to plant a church. One day we have some flyers on the connect desk, unless they all run out this morning. We'll get some more church planting flyers, which will give you some next steps in that whole process. When God says go, go. But what God says to most of us is stay. Bloom where you're planted. Invest your life in building the church that I have placed you in. As we introduce the third service, we are making room for many more people to have their lives changed, their stories rewritten through a church that has the characteristics we've looked at this evening. The Lord will build His church, but He has asked us to participate with Him. And as we consider our contribution to continuing to build such a church, let's play the part that God is urging us to play.